Welcome to the More Than Fitness Podcast. Good to see you. Good to hear you. We're live. Yeah, there man, we're, 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 we're going. I go, I go straight from the jump. I can already see that you've got the, the, the glorious shave going on. I just saw your story. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's, it's one of those days where you just like, you know, you, you angle it up right and just the, the beard gods shine down upon you and you actually know what you're doing after, <laughs> you know, shaving for 25 years. Yeah, one of these days, I always tell, I always make the joke, I'm like, one of these days I'm going to go through puberty and I'll be able to grow a beard myself. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out and I'll keep you posted. Be careful what you ask for, man, because ever since I started, I can't stop. It's just like I never had really much facial hair at all in in high school until uh, I was like, hey, dad, show me how to shave. And even then, like 10th grade, 11th grade, senior, like maybe I'd shave every couple of weeks, you know, just something random. Once I joined the military and I started having to shave every day, it was just like miracle grow crack for my <laughs> yeah. for my facial hair. I just now I it, like I literally sh- baby face shaved like. I think Saturday, and now here we're back again. There, there it is. Yeah, I literally, I think I posted a uh, off to a very hot start on the podcast already talking about facial hair. But you know what? It's all good. We're going to keep it going. Um, I bought a, uh, I bought like a nose trimmer one time, and then someone said after like I'd already posted that I did it and it worked and stuff, and they were said, "Good luck. It's just, it's never going to be the same now. Like it's always going to keep coming back faster and faster." I'm like, well, I guess this is this is adulthood. You know, this is what we're welcome in for. to adulting. Yeah, and then you get to just. <laughs> pay a bill right after that so you can't stop growing <laughs> hair and then yeah. bills never stop. And That's yeah, this right. is all the, the, the pangs of adulthood our parents warned us about. Right. It's beautiful. Um, all right. I guess we can formally, formally go ahead and, and, and get into it. <laughs> Chase first. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Um, uh, I, I haven't, I've, I've heard you through the interwebs of, of friends of friends and things like that. And of course I know, uh, the podcast is huge. I see other friends on their, um, um, multiple times and then of course big names as well right so so I love I love what you're doing there I could tell whenever I whenever I found your account whenever I found your podcast just a lot of our messages aligned and I think that we'll we'll definitely touch on that um so yeah first first thank you for coming on and the reason why I love these podcasts so much is cuz it's selfish for me to talk to other people that I'm interested in so yeah thanks for coming on man oh it's the best part man my pleasure to be here thanks for having me yeah of course and so the very first the first question I like to to kind of start things off with is just like whenever you meet somebody, whenever it's a random person, and you're you're I'm especially curious to hear your answer because yours was probably similar to Adam from Mind Pump, who I just had on. And just like whenever you meet a stranger and they ask, "What do you do?" what What's your answer? What do you tell them that you do? <laughs> I can confidently say nowadays, I just say I'm a podcaster, and it really it didn't happen until I'd say like confidently saying that in this year, 2021, um, you know, even last year, 2020, I was doing some other things and not to say that this is the podcast is the only thing that I do, but just confidently saying, this is what I do. Um, yeah, this year has been really profound for that. And it took me pushing five years now to, I guess, to say that, because when I left my job, I was, you know, dabbling, you know, more podcast stuff. I was an online coach and, you know, YouTuber at the time. Um, and so I was doing a lot of different things. And so I felt more, I guess, honestly, confused by my own self whenever <laughs> yeah. somebody asked yeah. that question. Cause I was like, well, what do I feel more aligned with today? What have I been doing the most lately? You know, what do I want to say to put out there that someone's going to maybe, you know, respect or like, or even know I, just a couple of years ago when I was living in DC, I would say, oh, I have a podcast or I'm a podcaster and whatever. Most people didn't really know what the hell I was talking about, like a like a pod who, um, and so now in Los Angeles, a little bit more of a creative space, and you know I think this platform has grown tremendously over the last couple of years. When you say I'm in the podcasting industry or I am a podcaster, people actually know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I, I joked around with Adam as well. I was like, it's kind of like back in the day, um, or even I guess probably even still so today. You say like, oh, I'm a writer, and people are like, oh, okay, that's cool. But like, how do you make money and stuff? You yeah. Know? So you live in your mom's basement and uh, you live, you eat ramen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so I want to I want to rewind rewind what you said there. So you said that you left your your old job. What was like? I want to know, take me back a little bit. Like, what was your your kind of first career? And then, like, um, is that what you thought you were going to do for the rest of your life? Or kind of uh, talk about your thinking around that. Yeah, really good question. Uh, honestly, my first career was the military. I, I enlisted in the Army right after high school. I was actually still 17 uh, when, I, when I joined. 
And I thought I was going to do that for the next 20 years. I, I, I sort of kind of knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, but not enough to wholeheartedly step into that profession or pursue this degree, a specific degree in college. But military service was a big thing in my family. And you're I were going to work. Like, well, your, you're going to work. I'm sorry to cut you off. I do this sometimes, no, you're good, but you, you're going to work your way up in the military. Is that what you were thinking? Well, in the military, if you do, if you just commit 20 years, that's kind of like the the cutoff for you can have full pension, full retirement benefits. And so they make a very clear track. Well, a pretty clear track. Sure. Um, a lot of things change in the military, but at 20 years, yeah, I was like, well, hell, I'll be 37. I can retire. How amazing will that be? I'll have pension, I'll have benefits, I'll have money, I'll have healthcare, uh, I'll have all these other things that I could chill for a little bit or 37 is still pretty young. Honestly, I'm about to turn 36 now, which is wild for me to say out loud because if I had stayed in that original career path, I would actually right now, like a year plus out, I would be getting ready for my retirement. I would be transitioning out, doing a lot of different things. And so it's wild to think that my my initial life plan, what I thought I was going to do with my life, who I was going to be, my identity, it could have been kind of winding down now. It's so weird, but life had other plans. And so actually about four and a half years into my original six-year contract, because I just maxed out the first enlistment. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm just going to commit you know, balls to the wall kind of thing. Let me do six years. Well, four and a half years in, I was uh, trying, I was volunteering for a, a couple of deployments to try to put myself onto some deployment rosters. And I wound up getting really significantly injured just in war game preparation training. And that actually completely changed everything. Uh, my whole idea of sticking in for 20 years, my whole idea for even sticking in for almost just that first enlistment um, was like canned. Um, I wound up getting medically discharged. It actually worked out timing wise right at the end, more or less of my original enlistment. So my initial commitment was the maximum amount of time I was going to have. So, um, yeah, I wound up getting medically discharged and had to kind of just, you know, start from scratch again on the whole career thing. What age was that? at? 21? I was tw about 21 ish when I had my first injury. And then I, for about the next year and a half, um, just went through a string of, of, injuries, therapy, rehabilitation. I was basically, I was in and out just as a patient uh, the last year and a half of my military career. Um, wound up having both my hips completely reconstructed, oh, um, a torn hamstring, suffered a lot of you know trauma to my L4, L5 vertebrae. And so I became what's called non-deployable, which in the military means you're kind of useless. Uh, like my, my injuries were so severe that they're like, hey, you may rehabilitate to a level where you can do your job again, be a soldier again, but it's going to take way too long. And, you know, we're just going to cut our, cut our losses with you kind of thing. And so then when I left, I was about 24, I was just about to turn 24. So at like 24 years old, I had to kind of refigure out life, what I wanted to do, what, what was going to be my job? Was I going to go to school? Where was I going to live? Did you like break down at all? Did you have like a crisis or like a quarter life crisis or something? You know, looking back, I, I realized that I, I didn't as much as I could have at the time, but the more and more I look back on that part of my life, I, I think I'm just getting the delayed trauma, delayed. It's like a delayed trauma wave of like, wow, holy hell. And every time I tell my story or just think about it, it I'm like just now still, I'm 35 now and I've been out you know, like 11 years. And I feel like in some ways I'm still processing, like grieving that loss of that identity because at the time I just, I didn't. And that was true to my character at the time. I, I just, I didn't deal with problems. I didn't, I didn't deal with any mental health issues. I, I just stuffed everything down, you know, and I was just kind of part of my nature at that time. Just, Hey, what's the mission? What do I need to do? Just go, go, go. There's no downtime because if you take you take a knee, uh, you know your life could suffer. The lives of the people around you could suffer. The mission needs to go on, kind of thing. And I was still very much in that militant mindset, and so I kind of was like, "Well, hell, um, all right, let me just cash in on some of these benefits." So I enrolled in school. I went back to my home state of Virginia. I'm actually drinking that of a uh, Roanoke, Virginia. I saw that. My Shout fun out. Fact. Yeah. Uh, uh, originally from Roanoke, a very, very like tiny, tiny little town down in Southwest Virginia. Sure. But I, I moved to Richmond, the capital where I had my mom was living. My, my brother was there. I had some family and I took about maybe a month downtime uh, and I, I enrolled in school. I went to college there. 
uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, and I enrolled in a program that I thought was going to help me the most at that moment in my life. I began to study exercise science. I enrolled in their Bachelor of Science of Exercise Science because I was literally, I was still on a cane. Uh, I had to have my mom like help me go to campus and enroll for classes and walk around on the tour and all that stuff. And I was still rehabilitating. And um, I was like, well, I got all this downtime. Uh, let me try to figure out this body, you know, on my own. Yeah. Um, you got a good incentive. So, yeah. I had the biggest incentive. Yeah. Because I didn't want to accept kind of a lot of the new limitations that were placed on me. And I didn't, I didn't want to wait for the rehab and therapy. You know, I'd already been through that for like a year and a half. And I, my entire life in the military and even before that, growing up in Roanoke, Virginia, I, I just never knew what it meant to not move. I never knew what it meant to not just go and just be active, whether it was just playing in the mountains or playing baseball. I played baseball my whole life, uh, lacrosse for a couple of years and then active duty army for six years. And so I not only had an identity, radical identity change, but just a whole lifestyle change of not being able to move, not being able to exercise, not being able to, you know, live pain-free. Um, and I just didn't want to accept that. And so I was like, well, let me take the next four years. Let me learn everything I can about anatomy, physiology, nutrition, the human body, um, you know, health behavior change. Uh, and that's what I did. And so along, along the way, I'd say about my junior year undergrad, I kind of began to formulate this new identity of, hey, I think I not only like this for what it's doing for me and my recovery, but I might want to pursue this as my next career. I, I began to kind of do some key internships and shadowing experiences and personal training and group exercise and corporate health and wellness and health coaching. And I just really, really enjoyed it because it was, um, it was a way for me to kind of live by example of you don't have to accept a lot of the limitations that are placed on you by doctors, by society, by, by yourself, you need to exercise caution, of course, especially when you're dealing with acute injury or, you know, chronic disease or illness or whatever, but there's a way around it. The body wants to heal. The body wants to survive. The body wants to thrive. And if we can just find a way to circumnavigate whatever barrier is placed before you, I just felt like I was like the golden boy. And I was so excited for the progress I was making. I, I literally was like Pinocchio, like, look, I'm a real boy again. I can, I can walk, <laughs> I can talk, I can, I can go to the gym a few days a week and not just be on my ass the rest Stumped. of the time after that. Yeah, so pain. And yeah. So I just began to realize, hey, I actually really like this whole health and fitness thing. And uh, that became my next career choice. Mm, and I, I love, I love this idea of uh, like identity changes and whatever you want to call them, like evolutions, because I feel like, cause you, you, you probably, I'm assuming went through the, the fitness phase. So being an online coach and maybe some of that stuff. And then I feel like now you are into the net, like, so after, so I'm fill me in here. So you did the online coaching thing. Cause I'm curious, I want to know about the other identity changes you went through from then until now. Oh yeah. So right after, um, undergrad, I, I worked this position, um, where I kind of wore like three different hats and I it was like a glorified part-time on call health and fitness position with this consulting company. And my main role in that company wound up being, I oversaw the, the, like the field testing for the fire department in that County. So there's like a, like a mock uh, fire test, basically, where all the fire firemen have to run through, you know, simulating a burning building, throwing a ladder up, all your gear, carrying a body, you know, hatchet breaking down a wall, and we would we would run through this course with them. I would run through this course with them, and then I would you know provide feedback afterwards of like you know, hey, you could use some power movements. Your lower body seemed really you know sluggish. You you were anaerobic in the first 30 seconds kind of thing. So we would kind of get feedback. It was a pass fail situation for them. And then we would go to the firehouses and, you know, provide programming and training and, you know, nutri nutritional guidance. And so that was kind of my main role. I did that. And then I also uh, facilitated and managed their, uh, their health coaching for this hospital chain that we had a contract with. So it was like, it was like employee wellness. Basically we would do basic biomarkers and provide feedback on glucose, cholesterol, height, weight, BMI, percentage body fat, quick little run through with your nutrition. And, you know, and they got credit for their health savings account kind of thing on their insurance. Mm, yeah. And then I'll never forget, I was actually running through one of the fire department trainings and I was loving what I did. I love that job, but I was kind of, um, 
I was beginning to realize that I needed to kind of level up and, and progress in my career. Uh, and also at the time, my girlfriend, my now wife, uh, was like, hey, do some more. You know, this this glorified <laughs> part-time position is is, you know, is not gonna cut it kind of thing. You know, sure. she was she could see this little piece of me inside. Like I think any good partner can, that I was just not allowing to fully thrive. Mm. Um, also she's Persian. So they really like to just, you know, <laughs> push yeah. you a little bit. I get, what, what, uh, what age was this at? So I was now. Is it 27 ish? 28. Yeah. Okay. 28 right. uh, going on, going on 29. And, um, so I, I put like an, an indeed alert out and I was running the field test for the fire department one day. And I got this indeed notification for this job that said, um, at the time of the title was wellness specialist and it was at this concierge medical practice. And it just seemed to be everything that I personally was looking for in healthcare. Like I said, I was still rehabilitating. I was still, you know, kind of just getting back into my own physically. And a big part of what helped me do that was not only the primary care with my doctor, you know, the tried and true medicine and physical therapists and orthopedic surgeons and that stuff, but complementary and alternative medicine, fitness and nutrition, um, acupuncture, acupressure, massage, prolotherapy, um, modifying my diet, um, all these other different things, chiropractic, um, Reiki. I was honestly at that point open to anything and everything because I was, like I said, refusing to just accept this broken identity. And it gave me so much value. And then I saw that this company was doing that. Like, hey, we provide primary care medicine. Come in, get your physical, go see your doctor for your sniffles or cold or whatever you go see your doctor for. But then also we have this wellness department and you're going to work with the wellness specialist to go over your workouts, to go over your nutrition, to do exercise physiology testing. Like in my office, I, I took the position there and my office was, I had a treadmill, I had weights, I had a body composition analysis machine. And it was you know almost about as big as my office now here in my home. And we'd sit down and you would have health coaching sessions with people. You would walk through behavior change. You would walk through weight loss, weight gain. You would give them exercises. You know, a lot of the people we worked with, it was concierge medicine. So we had a little bit more of an affluent um, clientele, you know, C-level executives or just busy people. And hey, how can I not gain weight or feel crappy when I'm traveling four days a week kind of thing? And I was like, this is it. This is, this is everything I'm looking for personally. And this is what I really, I, I think is needed in, in healthcare and in wellness in general. So I took that position and uh, I wound up working there for about a year and a half. And then I got promoted to uh, the wellness director role. So I wound up being a health coach in the office there to then running the department. Uh, we had about nine offices at the time up and down the East coast, uh, seven to nine other health coaches, depending on if I was hiring somebody new, training somebody new. And so I did that. I was health coach chase for two of our offices up in Washington, DC. And then I ran the wellness department. So I, I, a big part of my new identity was, you know, kind of ushering in, growing the department, ushering in really wellness coupled with primary care medicine. And I did that for almost another two years. So I was with this company for all in all about four years. And, um, and, and then I decided for quite a few reasons that it's time for me to kind of do my own thing. And then um, I just began, began to feel very undervalued and overworked. And um, just, I was beating my head up against a wall, honestly, the last year it felt like, and instead of keeping beating my head up against the wall, no matter how much I, I loved my job, the job and the people I love to death, but just, the, the higher level aspect, the, you know, the, the business side of everything and there's some changes within that organization just really began to just not be in alignment with my values and not, not my workflow. And so I was like, all right, time to build an exit strategy. And that's what I did in 2017. Mm, okay. Interesting. So how, how did that like what did that entail what did an exit strategy entail like did you did you get out a whiteboard did you put on some music like you're like i'm gonna figure this thing out from the ground up like what what was the next step there i was nowhere near uh as organized as my thoughts back then it was just i hate this i gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> so, were, were you thinking uh, <laughs> were you thinking another job or are you thinking entrepreneurial like i'm gonna put it in my own hands yeah good question i i did look a little bit of both i um I felt like at that time, like I said, this was uh, like summer 2017 and I 
had some people in my life, some some friends and peers that were beginning to really do the whole full-time online thing, whether that was, I'm an Instagrammer, I'm an influencer, I'm a YouTuber, I'm an online coach. The legitimacy and sustainability of that was becoming very real more, more and more. Um, my brother was doing it. He, I think at this point, Max had 2017. At that point, he had left his job. He had been doing his own thing for almost a year. Um, and everybody else in, in, in our, in our world then was just like, do it, do it. Just like leave your job, leave your job. And so I kind of had that pulling me in one direction, but like anybody, I think if you're wanting to do that, it's a lot of the common thoughts come up of what if I fail? I'm not good enough. How do I run a business? It's just, it's so much security newness. as well, you know? Yeah. 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 And at that point I had just gotten married. I, I got married in fall 2016 and um, it was just, now it's not about me. I don't have the luxury of being a selfish with myself and my future. You know, I, have conversations with my wife. We make decisions together. We want to build our life together, but also honor the individual. So how can I grow individually? How can I grow professionally while at the same time being cognizant of the life that we're trying to create together? And so her, she was seeing all my frustrations and struggles. And we kind of came up with a plan of, I was applying to other jobs just to see what would stick. But she was like, all right, let's give it six months. So six months, kind of like work on, I was already kind of um, beginning to monetize my podcast. Uh, I was sort of kind of helping people like in my apartment gym and providing workouts and stuff for friends and family. So she's like, well, what if you just take these things that you're kind of just dabbling in that are giving you a little bit of ROI in terms of, you know, social media growth or even money. Um, and I like actually focus on it and take the next six months and try to just grow your coaching business, actually charge people that you're training and, you know, giving workouts and nutrition plans to that, you know, you're not charging right now. Um, take your podcast more seriously, you know, maybe more episodes and you know, learn how to monetize it, learn how to add more value to a partnership like that. Um, and so that's what I began to do. And that lasted about, about maybe, maybe a month. And things that that job just kind of took a turn. And I had a conversation with, uh, with a coworker there. And uh, it just hit me as clear as day that Chase, you can't wait six months. You have to just let them know right now. Cause I, I never felt like to my soul pain of just living a lie of just biting my tongue and, and just clearly the vision that they had and what I had, it was just not in alignment. And so I actually right then and there that day I gave, I was like, this is my 30 day notice. And uh, then I came home, had a very unpleasant conversation with my wife about that. <laughs> um, but uh, then I did it. And I, I, I just told myself, all right, you've got to just, you've got to do it. And I began to just really, really only live off of anything and everything that I was bringing in supplementary or complimentary uh, to my paycheck. So I, I just didn't touch my paycheck and I just forced myself to pay rent, to pay bills, to to eat whatever off of online coaching, off of podcast sponsorships. And just when you kind of force yourself up against a wall like that, even though I knew I technically still had that safety net, um, you become much more resourceful than I think you'll ever realize. It's like the whole burn the boats mentality. And so once I realized that I had something, more importantly, once I realized that I, I could do it, I, I, I was my own limiting factor. It was just the fear of the unknown. And once I took that first step, and I could figure out the next one. And that helped me figure out the next one. Um, yeah, it was great. I, I left in um, December of 2017 of that position. And like I said, I wholeheartedly loved my job. I loved what I did. I loved my patients, my clients. I loved the team of other coaches that I, um, that I managed and mentored. But just it was just draining my, my essence to keep showing up for that role. And so uh, I left in December 2017. I began to just double down on the podcast. I started doing two episodes a week, learned how to monetize it. And, uh, and then I started my coaching business. Um, I, and I grew that for a little while. I even had a team of up to one point, I think we had seven other coaches on the Everforward Coach um, platform. And, um, and then my next big identity shift came in about spring of 2019. Yeah, 2019. When a long time, 
a friend, a colleague, a peer of mine that I had been in my life for a couple of years at that point, um, a very well-known uh, health and fitness like coach to other coaches, like business coach. And I just was seeing all of the amazing success that he was having with all these other people. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. I'm in. You know, so I invested with him, dropped several thousand dollars to help me scale my coaching business. And on that very first phone call, uh, officially as, as my coach, we'd had many phone calls before unofficially. He completely talked, well, he didn't talk me out of it. He mirrored back to me what I was saying and what I really wanted. And I completely stopped being a health coach at that time. I dissolved Everford coach really as it was then because he helped me realize where my passion was and what I wanted to do. And I, I always give him shout out Jason Phillips, um, a lot of praise for, for oh, recognizing cool. that in me. I just and joined his uh, NCI with Mind Pump as well, just because I want to get- in amazing hands, man. I want to get connected hands. with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, he'd been in my life for a couple of years at that point. And when I officially hired him, it was funny. I hired him for some one-on-one coaching. And then in the first like 20 minutes, I was like, cool, Jay. So I just like paid you to not do what I thought we were going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. I mean, but then after that, I mean, we had a lot of other phone calls and work together and he just brought so much clarity. You know, I think like a good coach does is a lot of times it's, they allow us to just finally feel heard and seen. Did he give you permission? Get... Was it that kind exactly. of what it was? Yeah, exactly. So at that point, I stepped into my next phase of I'm just podcaster chase. And, and even inside of that, there's there's so much more to it. I'm sure you know, when, when you're doing one thing, it's very, very rarely ever going to be just that one thing. The thing is never the thing. But I, as a bubble, my ecosystem is podcasting. And when I did that, and when I kind of like I did before of like, Chase, don't touch your paycheck. You're only going to live off of everything you create. I kind of put my back up against another wall of another identity shift, um, really narrowing down what I'm doing with my time, how I'm working, how I'm creating revenue, other opportunities. And everything I was doing up until that point got better, got smoother, got clearer. And it allowed me the time and the space and the, the vision boarding really to just see everything that I was missing with this platform. So I was like, well, if I just go all in, like he always says, on this one area, what can I maximize? What am I doing that I can sustain? But like also, what, what else am I missing? And ever since then, man, I've, I've never looked back. And um, since then, my I, I started adding another episode a week to my show. Um, it turned into a full-blown like show experience. I, I, I decided to, to film everything. And so I do video now and just, it makes it a whole experience. And the relationship building that I've had because of it and the new forms of content. And um, I mean, monetization has grown tremendously, but also just all the other opportunities that come out of an experience like this. Um, such, for example, I, I launched a, a podcast education production and consulting company. Um, if you do something long enough, uh, people begin to come to you for questions. And so I kind of became the podcast guy like, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? I want to launch a podcast. And so I, then I realized like, Hey, I have a whole other valuation here in my hands. So I created podcasting courses to teach people how to do it. Uh, I've got a full-blown production company now with audio editors, videographers, writers, you know, and we launch and create some fucking amazing shows. I'm really, really proud. And it, and it wouldn't have happened if I didn't get that permission from, from Jay probably, or maybe it wouldn't happen nearly as fast. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Cause I'm going through a somewhat similar, um, new identity as well. But, but what I'm, what I'm curious about is like, what was the, what was missing from the health coaching that podcasting filled that void, right? Like what, what were you, uh, yeah. What, what was missing from that coaching where you were like, I don't think this is it. I need this permission and now I'm going to go do it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an interesting question, man. Um, so when I look back, like I love being a coach. And when I really think about it, I mean, I'm not the guy, I'm not the guy that knows everything or knows the most about hormones sure. or like, we're going to reverse diet you. I mean, I went to school for it. I went to grad school for it. You know, I've got all these certifications and I still am a certified health coach. I keep up with all my CECs and everything. And I, like, I know my shit, but when it came to like applying it at that level, I just, this is going to sound harsh, but I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I, and I didn't care because I knew 
me regurgitating back or sounding as smart as possible or having all my degrees in my office and my clients could see, um, you know, how much money I've spent on this stuff, how much time, how much of an expert I am. What mattered most and what brought the most sustainable and long lasting change for people was when I just sat there and I was a human being and I listened and I mirrored back to them similar experiences that helped them feel heard and seen, and then also gave them permission to change their life. And especially when I shared my, my, my suffering, I mean, nobody, that, none of my patients cared, but most of them that, you know, I could, you know, deadlift or squat or, you know, do all these cool exercises, or they didn't care about my PR. What they cared about was that I was someone who had multiple areas of their life radically changed and that did not keep them down but rather they took some time they felt through it the physical mental emotional spiritual trauma aspects of all that they figured out a way to navigate that problem and now here they are in front of me telling me their story and giving me advice you know listening to me so that i can find my own way the most long lasting change I ever had with clientele was when I would tell them about my injuries. When I tell, would tell them about how, yeah, I had to learn how to walk again twice. And then suddenly their um, stub toe became less of an excuse as to why they wouldn't do the workout program that we talked about for a week. Um, and when I would tell them about losing my father at age 19 and watching my greatest hero in life, just literally, quite literally wither away and die. And what that did for me mentally, how it completely changed my life and gave me all of these new set of mental health problems that I never thought I would have to deal with as a 19 year old kid. When I began to just be very real with them and then walk them through that realization, that common point to new common high ground together, everything else just kind of unfolded. And that's exactly what health coaching, that's what I was after in that coaching experience that I was finding more in the podcast. And what I mean, I guess more succinctly here is that it was the conversation. It was one human coming together with another human and just storytelling, something that has been the glue to human existence uh, and survival and just connection for thousands of years. And it fascinated me. And especially more and more as I realized that like we live so gratefully so in a time where you can make a living doing that. Like you can, like I realized, Jay helped me realize that that was the component of work, of life that made me feel alive, that made me feel fulfilled. And then I also had something of worth to provide back to them to, you know, to give back in that conversation and experience. And then I always say, you know, in, in podcasting, like it, it's just, it's just the vehicle that 30 minutes, that 45 minutes, that hour and a half, it is just the vehicle through which we, we really get to do what we want to do. Um, the magic happens before and after, and all of that amazing literal energy coming together of human beings. Um, it, it just takes me to places that I don't, I don't know if I'll say coaching couldn't or didn't, but it's just a, like a quicker shot. Yeah. Know? Well, it's, it's a big difference between working with, you know, 30 clients on a roster compared to working with somebody one-on-one -on -one and having yeah. a no distractions, in-depth conversation about stuff that you also know is going to help other people as well, right? It's kind of and an amplifier. realization I had too was like, hey, and, and, you know, thankfully so, the show was being so well received. It was growing to a level to where I could accomplish. It's like every coach ever. You start off one-on-one, -on -one, then you go to group because what do you want to do? You want to maximize your time. You want to help the most amount of people. Mm -hmm. I was able to help the most amount of people, not in one-on-one -on -one coaching, not in group coaching, but by me doing what lit me up the most in life and then sharing that experience. And so I was like, well, shit, that's what I'm after. So here's what I can do to do that you know, the rest kind of just unfolded. Yeah. Do you, do you worry about, cause this is something that I think about. Do you ever worry about monetizing something you love and, and afraid that it'll kind of eventually develop into something that's more so like a, like homework almost every single week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Honestly, I I've had that feeling a couple of times. Um, total honesty, 
several times, especially in the last, I would say, year and a half, just with the pandemic and all these things going on. Um, I mean, this is my business. This is how I make a living. And so sometimes, yeah, I was like, all right, I, I let me, how can I say this the best way? I've never taken on a partner, taken on a sponsor that I don't believe in. I, I've never promoted any, I've never officially promoted anything. I've never just me, hey, this is Chase just talking about something. I've never ever done that on the podcast, on social media, in my real life. If it's not something that does not add value to my life, if it doesn't help my sleep, make me feel alive, or just in any way add value to my life. But there have been some partnerships to where I believe in the product, I love it, but just maybe it wasn't as good of, of a deal as like I felt it should be. Um, or for what, whatever the reason, I kind of had a like a begrudgingness to it. And um, I mean, where you inv invest your time and your energy, you know, rewards you. And let's just say, you know, those sponsors, you know, it was just a one-time deal kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's like, I was like, Hey, I gotta, keep, I gotta pay the bills. You know, it's something that I can do right now. Um, but I probably won't do it again. And so if that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, and yeah, it's, I know it's difficult. I also think, I also think that too many people also get caught up. It's just like all of your fulfillment doesn't have to come from work as well, right? I think so many people, it's just like, you can yeah. do other things, right? And I think that's what typically happens. Maybe you're you're getting to that point or you've already passed it. It's just like after you kind of get that financial independence, you've got a little bit of savings, you're a little bit more comfortable, then it's just like, okay, now I don't have to do all these certain things. It's just like, what do I, what do I want to do even outside of work as well, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny you say that because actually that's really kind of where I'm at now. Um, so quite literally this week as we're interviewing, um, my wife just accepted a position. She's been, and that's a whole, another component to all of this for the last three years. It's just been my income. And she has been, she went back to school. She was a nurse. She went back to school to become a nurse practitioner. And so for three years, we've just had one income and we've had some really low lows and some really like, Hey, we got <laughs> how much money we got to go like grocery shopping and shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, but in other moments have just been, you know, what's the word windfalls, I guess. Sure. Um, and she just accepted and started working yesterday, this amazing position, um, at what I think is one of the most progressive, um, health clinics in the United States and becoming the world. Like they're leading the charge with the future of medicine, particularly with mental health. And um, she just landed this dream position. Um, it's so fulfilling for her and for us. And it now provides a great extra financial security blanket for me to kind of take <laughs> yeah. a breath. Yeah, that helps. That helps. Um, it does help. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and to get into a place now, like I've had this, my big like the monkey on my back for the last couple of years, uh, is a book. I actually have three book ideas and it's just been one of those things to that. It just takes time and taking time off from everything else I do to write. I mean, maybe I'm making an excuse. I don't know, but it's got to marinate. It's got to marinate. It does. Yeah. It's got to marinate. And, you know, I'm not that type of entrepreneur, entrepreneur that's going to get up at, you know, 4am and just sure. you know, crush it every day. Like yeah. I, yeah, I need sleep. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> I recognize that about myself and what I want to do and how I want to work. And, but luckily what I'm trying to say is now that, you know, yeah, it, we're at a point to where I can take a breath and, you know, if my income drops or at least just maintains, luckily I'm at a point now how I work with the show, the rest, like the, the money set the rest of the year, basically. Um, but I don't have to worry about anything new, honestly. And so this is affording me the opportunity to very seriously look at, all right, now, now's the time to write my book and to step into this next kind of fulfillment phase. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I'm excited to hopefully we can chat again whenever, whenever that book is done, whether it's next year or five years from now, I'll, I'll be excited to chat about it. Uh, thanks, man. But you know, <laughs> it's wild when you talk, start talking to publishers and other writers and stuff. It's just, I, I could literally have the manuscript. I could have it done this month, you know, by August, 2021. And they're like, okay, all right. So we're looking at like a, uh, a January or a March, 2023 release. And so it's the publishing route's pretty wild. Uh, it's kind of, it reminds me a lot of the, um, the military. It's like a hurry up and wait situation, Ah, got but, it. but, but no matter what, you know, now is the time I, I really do believe now is the time, um, that the universe is giving me 
to to really to step into this thing and get it done and then when it's live, it'll be live. So cool. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, we have we have about 15 minutes here. I do want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. But also I want to do a little bit of a left turn. But we've been talking about mental health and things. But so I did want to touch on your recent so it was a, a 30 day experience uh, a 30 day experience uh, with microdosing with psilocybin. Yeah, psilocybin microdosing. Yeah. Talk about yeah. it. Let's talk about it. All right. So talk about identities as well. So <laughs> yeah. growing up, like I said, in tiny little Roanoke, Virginia, uh, right in the heart of the Bible Belt, um, I grew up in a very, very, very tiny, small town uh, in a very religious household. And uh, I, I hold nothing against my parents. I love my, my father's my hero. Uh, he created everything that's possible for me today. Um, and same thing, my, my stepmother, my parents split up when I was very young, but basically my stepmom came in a situation when I was like five years old and I consider her also my mom. And, but I say that because the, you know, the way that they brought me up and the way that they tried to do the best with the tools that they had, it was a lot of religion and it was a lot of sheltering. And it was a lot of, do not look at drugs and alcohol. If you even think about the word marijuana, you might burn in hell kind of thing or become a crackway. And so it's a, it's an exaggeration, you know, mom, I love you. I'm not shitting <laughs> sure, on you, but, sure. um, but that was the identity that I had. And especially going into military, I had, I couldn't do any of that because, you know, we take your analysis tests all the time and any banned substance, you know, you get kicked out. I had this whole belief up until I was about 20, 27, 28 that anything of that nature, any banned substance, illegal substance, anything, marijuana, mushrooms, whatever, is not only illegal, but it is also morally and ethically bad, morally and ethically wrong. And if you even try it, that means you are a bad person. That means you're going to spiral out of control. You're going to lose your job. You're going to hang out with like losers. And so that's what I believed. And I didn't try marijuana until I was like 28 years old. I had a horrible first experience. A buddy of mine, you know who you are, uh, he took it upon himself to like, yo, I'm going to like mess you up. He got me messed oh, up. No. And I, I, I had like a brownie, a couple of joints. I did oh, a no. oil dab and yeah. Oh, no. So I died. I literally died. And so I was like, I'm not talking this. I'm not touching this shit ever again. That's so insane. Years, years and years went by. And I was just like, nah, 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 nah. The pandemic hit last year, 2020. And I was just again, like I said, you know, single income, the pandemic hit, it was so much extra stress and just, I was pivoting and, and I was so grateful for what was happening, but it was just so much extra work. And I'll never forget this one time I went to, um, kind of like a secret party. Um, cause you're not supposed to hang out with people. Uh, it was like late last summer. And I walked into this, this, how this big house up in the Hills here in Hollywood that was rented by close friends, people that I knew and trusted quite literally everyone was a doctor, a pharmacist, a surgeon, a very high-performing attorneys, just like high-performing people. And I walked in and this person that I've known for many, many, many years, and I trust wholeheartedly, just opened out his hand. And he said, take this. And it was MDMA. Mm. And I had like a split second that felt like an eternity. And I, I looked at him and I looked at everybody around me and I was just like, you were in quite possibly the safest environment to do this. Sure. Everybody's a doctor. You trust this, blah, blah, blah. And so I took that and that one single experience broke all of that belief system down before I saw things and felt things and just got out of my own ego and everything that I heard that I thought was a cliche about psychedelics. I was like, it is so, it is the truest thing I've ever heard. It, it just unlocks your mind. It unlocks everything. And so that began to get me more curious. And then a couple months later, um, I tried psilocybin for the first time and it just, again, it just gave me more, gave me more. And I began to have experiences, um, in dealing with the trauma of my father, of not getting to say goodbye, of wondering if what I was doing with my life was something that he would be proud of. Um, it, um, friction points, minor friction points within my marriage and friendships and just my own creativity, my own ego, my own capability, my own productivity, everything just felt like there was a governor on me and that was, was lifted. And I never once me personally have ever, ever, ever felt out of control. In fact, every experience I've ever had on psilocybin or, or microdosing or whatever, I've never felt more in control of my life. And, but just 
expanded and elated. And so that, yeah, that turned into becoming more and more curious and like everything in my life, I study it. I look at the science. Did I look you, at people. did you, did you, so I know, I know that the, um, and just for the record, I'm, I'm pro pro these things as well. Um, mm. but what I, what I'm curious is like, uh, well, did you do, if, if you don't mind sharing, did you do any therapy up to this point? Cause I think that's the first thing that people are going to ask that have pushback. They're like, Oh, yeah, you, you said, jump the gun kind of right. Thing. You said, yeah. you said you got all these revelations through these drugs, but it's like, maybe you should have just gone to fucking therapy or something. Right. I, I, I was off and on therapy for years and years and years and okay. years. It was uh, more concentrated right after the death of my father. Um, it was more concentrated right after I got out of the military. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I, diagnosed PTSD, um, panic attacks, anxiety, all of these things began to manifest in my life the longer I went without dealing with them, without addressing them. Um, it, quite literally, it was almost a make or break point in my relationship. Um, before my wife and I got married, we were just dating at the time. She's like, hey, I love you, but you are having such horrible panic attacks. You, you are shut down and blocked off in these areas that if you don't want it for yourself. Like, I, I don't know if this is going to work for us. And so that the fear, honestly, the fear of losing her and because I trusted her and respected her so much. And it wasn't just like, she wasn't telling me what to do. This was someone who loved me so much that they just wanted the best for me. Just like before with like, Hey, Chase, maybe get a full-time job. Hey, Chase, go to <laughs> sure, grad school kind sure. of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I have done therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I, when I say a single experience, has felt like years of therapy, months, at least months and months of therapy in a single session to give me, to present me with new questions, but new answers and just new revelations in a, you know, 30 minute hour experience. I'm, I'm not understanding that at all. Yeah. Um, so then that brought me to the whole, okay, well, if I use it recreationally here and there, what if I got on, you know, a protocol, the, the exercise scientist in me, the coach in me <laughs> yeah. wanted to kind of like, all right, let me look at the data. Let me experience this thing. Let me add a new variable to my life. You know, I track everything. I got an Apple watch, a whoop. I, the I got, optimal I a, protocol for it. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I've got a, my fitness pal food log going back to like 2009. <laughs> right. um, and so let me just see, you know, I, I've had the anecdotal personal experience, but let me just see what's going on if I introduce it daily. And yeah, so I did a two day on one day off protocol for a month. And I have never, ever, ever in my life felt more present in mind and body. I increased my productivity like exponentially. I got some of the most amazing ideas that led to immediate application in my business that almost immediate ROI in terms of a lot of different variables, not just financial, um, but just the conversations I was having with people. And specifically, one of the things that I love the most about sh sharing my microdose experience was I... Dude, Matt, I've had people in my audience DM me, email me, message me, text me, seeing me share and talk about this that has been quite literally like that experience I had with Jason, that permission slip. Mm. They're like, Chase, I've been watching you for years. I've been listening to you for years, or I, I even I just found you or whatever. What you were talking about is me. I felt these things. I lost a parent. I lost a loved one. I've had this injury forever. I've been feeling like I had this plateau in my life and my business. And I, even as a coach, I never, ever, ever once was like, this is the diet. This is the workout program. This is the supplement. This is anything. Anybody that says this is the answer is sadly mistaken. I would recommend to, uh, you know, go the other way, but by sharing my experience, it has opened up the floodgates of permission for other people to feel like they're not alone and to feel like a lot of other people uh, and coaches and influencers and podcasters that a lot of people would probably know have said, this is something that I have felt like I've been hiding from my audience. And I encourage them to just share the experience because I think what is, like I said earlier, with the whole podcasting thing, it's, it's that connection aspect. What is the most powerful thing in the world to, to change the world, to change behavior is to tell your story is to share your experience and to see what other experiences somebody else has had, is having, or maybe wants to have that is going to possibly radically change their life or even just give them 1% change that is going to be the step in the new direction of the rest of their it could life. be a springboard. Yeah, exactly. And that is what, and what has meant the most to me, I was actually, I was on a walk yesterday with my wife and I was telling her about this. 
what I think has meant the most to me for this whole experience of trying psychedelics, but particularly this microdosing protocol, was it all boiled down to it came down to people saying, Chase, because it's you, because you are talking about it, because you are saying this, because it's your experience, because it's coming from you, I trust you. That is the most powerful thing in the world. That is, I, I literally am getting goosebumps. That is the biggest responsibility that we could ever take on as, as a human, as a, an influencer, as a coach, anybody in any kind of, on any platform in any level that has eyes and ears on them, that is a responsibility, that is leadership. And that is something in the military, in my job, as a, a, as a health coach, as an entrepreneur, that I think means the most to me and I understand the weight of it the most. Because when people trust you, that is, I think the, and I don't say this in a, in a way, like <laughs> yeah. it is the, the highest form of power yeah. we could ever experience. Of course. And it does not fall lightly on me. And when I hear that and I see that, I get so like humbled, but I also get so excited because I know what is coming next. They just got the permission slip. They just felt seen. They felt heard. They felt like they're not alone. They see something in someone that is on a path that they want. And I've had so many people like that in my life. Jason Phillips, for example, and so many other mentors, Adam, the whole crew at Mind Pump, um, all these people that have been able to be that for me in various ways. Like I like mushrooms, psychedelics, but particularly mushrooms, psilocybin, I feel so strongly for that this is going to radically change medicine over the next several years. I'm following the science and the research so closely, especially in my PTSD and veteran community. And do Matt, when I, when I tell you, I see things coming out of these studies that within two, three doses, people, their PTSD is cured. Sure. They go from diagnosed to undiagnosed. They're getting their lives back. They're getting everything back. And when I think about it, like, this is going to radically change the world. Uh, this is the future of medicine. This is going to be the cure or is the tool to put people on the path to curing mental disease and illness. And when I think about it, like fitness is great. Nutrition is great. There's so many things we can do in our, our habits and in the gym and in the kitchen and stuff. But more often than not, my experience now professionally in the wellness community for over a decade, but also as a 35 year old human being, our greatest limiting factor is our mind. And when we can unlock it a little bit more and we can learn to trust it more where the mind goes, the body will follow. And that is the world that I want to create. And that is the world I want to usher in. And that is the world that I'm so grateful that so many people are entrusting in me to help create on their own. Yeah, that's exciting. I love it. Because I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and just the simple fact that alcohol is legal and and that like things like psilocybin, it's, nuts, it's it, yeah. as far as as far as deaths, risk, everything goes, it's absolutely insane that alcohol is My legal. My alcohol consumption has dramatically gone down over sure. the last you know year. And honestly, I'm just like, I mean, I love me a good IPA every once in a while, or like, you know, let's go out for a birthday, take a shot of tequila, but, but I'm just like Give me some mushrooms, man. <laughs> People know I love. I'm I, so I'm from Kentucky, so I love I love mm. my bourbon. I've got a bar yeah. actually in front of me right now. Um, so so alcohol is is definitely a part of me, but I've also I, I've experienced with these other things too, and it's just it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know from at least a legal standpoint, it's just like why I, I don't understand, and I, it makes me excited that these things are, are coming to fruition and more and knowledge is being around. There's like it. no debt. Also, I mean, with you know alcohol, if you go too far, you get a hangover or dehydrates you and just lowers your performance and recovery. Or you get addicted. Your HRV, or you get addicted. <laughs> or you get absolutely. addicted and alcoholism is fucking terrible. Yeah. I, I've not had any down experience whatsoever with the other things. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As far as the risk to reward ratio, it's, 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 it's baffling. Um, okay. Real quick where, so, cause people are going to hear this. They're going to be like, okay, like what should I do next? Like if you, if they want to experience something like this, do you have maybe a podcast episode, any type of recommendations for people on where to start? Yeah. Uh, I will be having very soon, depending on when this comes out, it might even be out. I will be kind of sharing a more, way more in-depth, uh, solo episode on my show, ever forward radio about my my journey to, to psilocybin and psychedelics. Um, but other than that, um, I would really recommend checking out like the clinical application, the clinical studies. There are a couple of resources that I really trust. I've been following for a while now and is where I pull a lot of my uh, resources. Uh, Field Trip Health, um, which is actually the clinic where my my wife is now a nurse practitioner. Uh, they're they're going to change 
the world, I promise you. Uh, but also another organization called MAPS. Yeah. Um, it's an acronym, something, something, psychedelic, something. I probably yeah, know this. Tim Ferriss talks about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, but on Instagram and on the website, you know, Field Trip Health and then MAPS are two organizations that provide the science, the clinical application, just like the no bullshit, you know, placebo versus actual kind of thing. Uh, so those are two resources that I trust and would recommend. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and we are coming up on on two o'clock. Oh, so. man, I got a few extra minutes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that 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 does that that's this area, especially because as you as you progress talking about identities and things like that as you go through these these changes or whatever it's just like you you want to it's like maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever right and you you keep mm -hmm. going up and things like that and it's you want to um not exactly like play around because I, I don't want to use that term as like oh you're doing these just uh, you know dilly dally but it's just like trying to experience these different things and realizing oh my reality could be much different or the way that I think about certain things could be much different. And I think just, just experiencing it, it just, sh it, I think the humbling, like it humbling you and realizing that, uh, reality is not what you once thought is it, it's just mind blowing. And so just for that fact alone, I think that like, you can't, you, you need, I don't know. I, I, I'm, we're not doctors here. Just, just, uh, preface that. So, so do what you want to do, but it's just, it's such an experience that you cannot, describe you really can't describe it it's very difficult to describe but it's it's in my opinion it's worth doing at least once in a safe environment <laughs> yeah yeah wholeheartedly i mean you have for yourself um and if that includes i mean as of now all of these substances are federally illegal um, right in my state here california they are decriminalized uh and they're quickly becoming decriminalized across the u.s um and the way that, that legally they're going I personally think it's not maybe a little, a little bit of aggressive goal, but I think in, at least in California, come voting time, November 2022, I think we're going to see um, some of these become legal. Um, the way that it's going is is because of all the clinical application first, they're looking at um, ketamine and MDMA are most likely going to be the first two followed by psilocybin. Um, but I, I, I firmly believe within the next three to five years, all of these banned substances, um, MDMA, psilocybin, ketamine, uh, even a few other things are going to be federally, or at least state by state, going to be legal. Uh, federally might be very, very close um, in terms of getting a clinical application, in terms of getting, uh, you know, like it started with cannabis, you know, getting your your cannabis card. Uh, I think you'd be able to get your ketamine card, your MDMA card, or, you know, it's going to be like, here in Los Angeles, I literally just walk down the street and I go to a dispensary to to buy cannabis. I, I it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that for psilocybin. Um, maybe not quite like that for for ketamine, I think. But um, the more and more science and more and more, especially the studies are coming out, um, it, it's just a matter of time before the government realizes, hey, there's a shit ton of money to be made here. Yeah. And then so let's just kind of open up the floodgates and then yeah. Psilocybin, I think, is going to be the next cannabis industry for sure. Yeah, the the, the money is going to going to drive it for sure. Yeah, um, because yeah, you're right. The untapped potential is is huge. Um, all right, dude, I, I want to talk to you for like two minutes off air, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna yeah. be selfish and, and go ahead and end this here. But where uh, where can people find out more about you and your podcast? Yeah, so my show Ever Forward Radio, we're, we're everywhere. We put up on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can check it out everforwardradio.com or on any podcast platform. Uh, and then if I'm not podcasting, I'm, I'm Instagramming. So you can check me out uh, at Chase underscore Tuning. Um, my my personal platform and the podcasts are more or less kind of just all the same. Some are just longer formats, uh, fitness, nutrition, mindset, uh, just sharing conversations and experiences, product services um quantified data qualitative data of just what brings value life what helps improve my life my body composition my sleep my relationships my mental health um, that's what you can expect so instagram or, or the podcast is where i'm hanging out perfect and i'll put all those links in the description thank uh, you. chase thank you so much for for coming on man hopefully we can do it again soon oh this is great man thanks matt yeah absolutely and that is that, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Than Fitness podcast. And please, if you could help me out a little bit here and leave a rate and review in iTunes and also 
take a screenshot and post it up on your IG story. Tag me at mattmcleod6. I'd love to share it. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast and also so that we can share the word with other people. I would love to build up this community, build up this tribe of people that we have like you and I uh, and get the word out there. Uh, Also, if you want more free content, you can check the links in the description. I have my free four-week workout plan, The Ultimate Physique Development. And also, if you want to work with me online, one-on-one for personal coaching, you can check the link in the description as well. Uh, And anything else you need, please send me an email, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for listening.